Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of our new podcast called Product and Packaging Powerhouse. I'm so excited that you're going to be joining me for this journey, for this conversation here on the show. And so first and foremost, allow me to introduce myself. I am Megan Young Gamble. I am a global project manager, packaging specialist, trainer, speaker, all those things. And I guess I should include business owner too. So all of those things. However, at the end of the day, I am an everyday consumer that enjoys phenomenal products, great products for my respective purpose, and also the packaging, because of course, that's my area of expertise. And I love all things products and packaging pretty much. So I officially want to welcome you all to the house. So with this episode, I'm giving you insight of what is the product and packaging powerhouse? What is our mission? What are some of our key goals? Why I decided to even create this podcast? Because that's the whole story behind that. And then who are some of the industry powerhouses that we're going to be featuring here on the show? So you gain insights to help you with advancing, ascending, and accelerating your products into your marketplace. On today's episode, I want you all to hang in with me, come along for the ride as I talk about the different detours I took to get to my destination. And so guys, welcome to today's episode. I am your host, Megan, and I'm so excited to talk about this one because this is a personal testament of my journey and how I transitioned into the packaging space in the health, beauty, wellness um, industries, how I got there, what was my journey before then and everything. So this one is really hitting home for me because it's one, my personal story, but then two, understanding that I took a lot of detours to get to my destination is something that a lot of us have gone through, especially post-COVID or during COVID, um, during the pandemic and how we operate, how we move, how we diversify our income, wanting to transition into something new. I feel a lot of us have gone through detours and a lot of us are reaching our destinations and some of us are still en route to our destinations, which is okay. And I'm going to talk about that too on today's episode. So I want you all to hang in with me, come along for the ride as I talk about the different detours I took to get to my destination. So guys, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I've shared a little bit about my story. If you have listened to other podcast interviews I have done in the past, you've heard a little bit about my story. And with this, you know, a lot of times it's very high level because you don't have that much time and effort to talk about a lot of the details, right? This is my show. So I could do that. But not only that to toot my own horn or to talk or brag about myself, you know, for this full episode, but it's really to showcase that I am human. I am an evolving person. I am a multi-potentialite. I like to do different things. I process things from an analytical standpoint, but yet very creative, you know, and with all of that in my upbringing and different trials and tribulations I went through personally and professionally have ultimately helped to define and really sculpt 
the woman I am, the current business owner I am now, the entrepreneur I have come into and more. So guys, like this is a testament that I think a lot of us have experienced or going through or what have you. And so with this, join me along for this ride um, because it is a ride, okay? With me now working in this space, the health, beauty, wellness industry, it has really opened up my eyes to really understand what are the key requirements to launch a product. Because before I worked in this industry, I was just a consumer. Why when the brand I sign up for their email list for pre-orders, they still have six months of development to go through, you know, or three months to go through. I, as a consumer, I will go to my favorite store, get my favorite brand of chips, Kettle Brand. I love they chips, baby. And they also have messaging, you know, in reference of like how they reduce carbon emissions and their manufacturing process and cooking process. So it's very informational if you read the backside of it. You know, I feel like as adults, we don't read, I don't want to say we don't read, but we don't pay attention to a lot of the information that's on there outside of the nutritional facts panel. With that, I feel like sometimes we've lost that art as a child where we would sit down and read the back of the cereal boxes and play the games and was unapologetic about it, right? So I do the same thing with my packaging too, you know, because in the products I purchase as well, you know, because I'm still an everyday consumer. I'm still spending money to get my kettle brand chips, to get my Haagen-Dazs ice cream, to getting, you know, some Nike tennis shoes or Reebok tennis shoes to all of it. Okay. So I'm still an everyday consumer, just like you all are as well. And I'm sharing that because when you are a consumer looking at the products, you do not realize everything that goes on behind the scenes to get that product onto the shelf, let alone to be available to offer and ship now in a post-COVID world with the increase in e-commerce and shipping is such getting the products to and from, you know, the destinations. Like we didn't think we was going to ever come to this point because of how slow we were moving. But nevertheless, you know, we're definitely seeing an increase. So I'm saying that because when I transitioned into this industry, I didn't know a damn thing about all the requirements from testing to development to even the concept stage, guys. So I'm sharing that because I only saw the products from a consumer perspective. But when I got on the other side of the table, and operating behind the scenes and collaborating with the brands, you know, with overseeing their product roadmaps and the packaging being developed and the design aspects and the transit and the different types of testing you go through with safety testing all the way to, you know, different packaging testing like transit uh, for vibrational testing to edge crush testing. It's a whole lot of things, okay? Okay. Um, so with that, you know, it's really impactful that I have now trans detoured, excuse me, I have now detoured into this destination, into a field that is evolving rapidly. And so with that, I had to give y'all some perspective and some context to then kind of rewind you all and give you insight of how I ultimately got to this destination. Okay. Picture it. First thing, I love me some golden girls. And Sophia is one of my favorite characters. And uh, when she tells a story, she's always saying, picture it. Okay. So I'm not trying to do no copyright infringement. I ain't, please don't come after me. Okay. But I do love the movie and I am like a avid golden girls fan, like with all DVDs, coffee mugs, t-shirts, used to have a wallet. I used to have a candle. It's, is that serious? Okay. But anyway, so 
giving you all context of my, my humble beginnings get into this industry. So I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas, and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia when I was 18 to pursue my college degree. Started off at Oglethorpe University and then ended up transferring to Kennesaw State. While I was in college and even when I was in high school, I knew that I was going to be going into the medical field somehow, some way. Initially, when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be a cardiovascular surgeon at six. Okay. Like talk about shoot for the stars. I was shooting for the stars back then um, and still do. So I'm not going to discount myself. But, you know, so I knew I was going to be in the medical field somehow, some way. So when I was in high school, probably my senior year of high school, I, you know, was starting to assess what I wanted to do to know what I wanted to study for, you know, for me to gain my college degree and then determine what would be my pursuits thereafter. And so, you know, growing up in Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, it was a lot of things that we saw and we witnessed and wanted to do different, you know, like I love my city. However, we're always growing and evolving as individuals and in different seasons. So with that, I was in this new season, you know, based upon, you know, my upbringing where I wanted to do something different, be in a different environment and really push and challenge myself to, you know, fly from the nest. And so with that, my mom was really intentional, like, you know, seeing me that I wanted to be, you know, really big into the science and the math field. She was like, you know, maybe you should consider pharmacy. And so I did. And so I ended up becoming a certified pharmacy tech in Arkansas. Then when I moved to Georgia, I kind of put it on rest um, as becoming an official certified pharmacy tech in Georgia. However, when I transferred to, uh, excuse me, when I moved to Atlanta, that is when I was still pursuing my, my degree. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to go into pharmacy school. I know it's, it's not pharmacy school. It's going to be something within the medical field and such, because I'm, when I first started college, I was studying biology. I ended up transferring to chemistry. Chemistry is better. No. But um, I ended up transferring, you know, to Kennesaw State and I ended up, you know, transferring my major from biology to chemistry, still science, right? You know, but with that, I just knew still I'm going to pharmacy school. So when I was at KSU, I ended up getting a job at Rite Aid previously known as Eckerd's. Some of you all may be too young to even know that actual pharmacy, but that was a thing, okay? Rite Aid Pharmacy that was previously Eckerd's. So I was a pharmacy technician at that pharmacy, probably about a year before I was about to graduate college or so. So anyways, I was working at Rite Aid part-time while I was a leasing consultant full-time where I stayed at. Um, so me and my roommate had discounted rent and baby, that, that price was lovely. And I was also working at Victoria's Secret. So I had three jobs and I was still going to school and a science major. I was doing it all um, at that time. And, you know, I was working and busting my tail so hard because my mom just became a single parent mom and still, and it was still was my two younger sisters at home. So anything that she earned, I wanted her to go, you know, I want, I was thinking about my mom and my sisters, you know, even though I was still a child, you know, but I was, I felt, okay, well, I have an old soul. I'm able-bodied. I got a car. At the time, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, you know, would take me to and from when my car would be down. And it was just a whole thing, right? So anyways, so I'm saying all that to say when I was working at the pharmacy, I would never forget the, the pivotal moment for me, which was, it was an elderly black gentleman that came in walking with a cane. And he recently just had um, surgery. I can't remember the exact surgery he had, 
but he had a very intensive surgery where he had to recover for an extended period of time and was now able to start moving around on his own because he didn't have a caregiver. He didn't have a nurse to maintain it. And, you know, he was feeling better. So, you know, you when you still have, you know, you're still able-bodied and still able to be a little bit mobile, you still want to have some sense of independence. And so with that, he came into the pharmacy filling his prescription. And I would never forget when I was checking him out and I told him a four digit dollar amount that he owed to get his prescription. That was a pivotal moment for me. And the reason I say it was a, it was that moment that really helped me to realize I cannot work in a pharmacy. That's just me personally. Now, on top of, you know, going to pharmacy school and, you know, acquiring six figures of debt to make six figures and you possibly may be breaking even depending upon what role and what shift you're working in, what sector of pharmacy? Hold on the topic, not here to judge. This is, this is just my opinion and my experience, okay? So anyways, so as we go through and I'm checking him out, I told him this four-digit dollar amount for his medication and he needed it. Nowhere else to go. It was not the highest formulatory brand or like the name brand it was like the mid-tier so it wasn't generic but it was like a mid-tier medication at that time now some people will say you know it depends on if it's you know life or death situation and you know that to each its own however that's a lot of money and then I have to get this uh, refilled every 30 days or so. That was the moment where I realized pharmacy school was not for me and pursuing that career to work in the pharmacy was not for me. And, you know, I worked on the research type side too with pharmacy, so pharmacology, et cetera. So I did that. I couldn't work in a lab either because I can't sit there and look at four white walls. You know, I've done research and I love researchers. They are definitely needed and they're critical to help with the advancement of medication and technology and all of that. I'm not saying that. Like I said, I'm sharing this based upon my personal experience and my journey, okay? So anyways, so after I realized that moment, you know, I said, I can't do it. And then on top of that, we got a notification that the store was closing. Rite Aid stores were closing. This is 2008, 2009, guys. At that time, I was like, okay, this guy speaking, speaking to me, saying, you know what, baby girl, let's put this on hold because, you know, you don't want to acquire the debt. You saw this, you know, this moment with the black elderly gentleman that could potentially be your grandfather and, you know, your own personal beliefs and stuff like that. And then the store closing, that was, that was number three for me. That was the third confirmation. So I said, you know what, that's, that's it for me. And so with this, you know, I was still pursuing school in my senior year. I decided to do a study abroad to India, best experience of my life, hands down. And in 2009, I was like, you know what? Well, I'm pretty athletic. I'm pretty fit. I'm going to go into the military because then they can help me with, you know, paying off potentially some of my student loans. Maybe they can help me with advancing into getting a higher advanced degree. So if I did want to go to pharmacy school or consider a different route, I could do so and have the flexibility of it. Um, and then also thinking about generational wealth. So having something in place for my family, my future family that I would build. So I was going through that pursuit to go into the military and I went through, took my initial basic test was about to do the physical exam. And as we're having the interview before the physical exam in 2009, that's when they advised me that unfortunately we are not recruiting for officers in your field right now. If you wanted to come into the military, then you have to come in enlisted. I worked too hard for my degree and that was not in alignment with me. So I said, you know what? 
I'm gonna put that on pause. If I do decide to still move forward into the military, then I'll go into like the reserves or something. Let me gain some work experience. Let me try to get this money, you know, kind of figure out the lay of the land because I decided not to move forward with pharmacy school. I put that on hold. I was now coming up on my graduation to earn my bachelor of science and chemistry degree. And now I got whole bills, but I got to pay student loans. Like how am I, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? So anyway, so I put Air Force on hold, you know, because I did not want to go in enlisted at that time. I wanted to go in as an officer. Plus I was looking at going into United States um, public service, public health service, you know, which is more medical related and such. And it was a whole strategy. I had a whole, whole game plan lined up to go into the military and stuff. And I was still considering it, you know, as I was working as well. So pharmacy was put on hold. Then I put on hold, you know, to do, to go into the military. So now we're at graduation. Congratulations. You have your degree. You come out with a bachelor of science chemistry degree, your base rate, base salary, and pretty much the highest end that you could make during 2009, where we had a recession, where the housing market was horrible, horrible. Okay. And so for me to come out and get a job with a degree, a science degree at that time was 27,000. I have an apartment that I now no longer work at. I no longer have that discounted rent, even with a roommate. So now I have to pay full price. Now I don't have Rite Aid. So that was my extra supplemental money for a little odds and ends. And now I was working at Victoria's Secret. And at that time, that was only part-time. I needed some full-time money and I couldn't go into education because you have to go and get your education certificates and all of that. And I love the kids, but shout out to all the teachers that's out there. Okay. Y'all are the real MVPs out here. Okay. And so with that, I couldn't go into teaching. I was not about to acquire any more debt because I'm like, how am I going to go to school and acquire more debt when I was living off the refund checks that I was getting from my school and working two to three jobs? How does, how is this going to work? Right. And so with that, you know, I realized I got to find some money. And so at that time, my next detour was going into work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Shout out to my old boyfriend, who is now my husband. Because he's the one that was like, you know what, if you got to get this money, come work at Enterprise for a couple of years. We have a really good referral program. I will refer you and then I will split the money with you. I mean, so he was a cutie and stuff like that too. And I needed some money. So I said, you know what, you show right. Let me go get this money. And the fact that you're going to split the referral money with me, like even better. That was like a little brownie point for, you know, for us to continue dating. And here we are. So anyway, so that was my next detour where I ended up working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, going through the management program. And I worked at Enterprise for cumulatively seven years. So I did my time in rental. That's where everybody starts off and, you know, worked my way up. And then I ended up transitioning to the other side of the business, which was on the insurance side. So that was kind of like two detours in one. But Within my experience working at Enterprise, it really helped me to learn how do I react under pressure? Because the pressure when you were in school versus pressure at work and you have to work to earn a living to be able to keep the lights on and provide a house or a shelter over your head. It's a totally different type of hustle, totally different type of mentality and totally different way of how you operate and get this money, right? And so with that, you know, it really helped me to understand the value of a dollar and how to make things stretch. 
Now I stretched things in college where I had $20 and could make it last for two weeks. So now I have a whole rent. I have valet trash because that was required at that time. I had all these other responsibilities and congratulations. You have now earned your bachelor of science in chemistry. And here is the amount that you are owed to pay back your student loan debt. By the time I paid out everything, I had nothing. Okay. So I was still not making enough money at that time. And that's a whole nother segment, whole nother segment. But I'm saying that to showcase how, you know, it's elevation and growth within the journey. So starting and having to stretch $20 to now having to stretch $100 for the month, you know, not a big difference, but it's showing progress in the right direction. And then how I end up going from rental within enterprise to the insurance side, better hours, better pay all of that, reach the whole, reach all the milestones and things I could do and really hit a plateau because there was nowhere else that I could go except to a more of a manager role. But the managers that were in that side of the business, they, they stay in. So they would stay in those roles for like 15, 20 years and then retire out from the company because you work Monday through Friday seven to three or eight to four, whatever your time block was. And I think now they were on a four day work schedule and stuff. So all of that, like they not moving. So you either had to sit there and wait for somebody to hopefully retire or to hopefully transition out to, to another city to get relocated, to possibly do similar role or go to a different role within the organization, et cetera. Those did not come around that often. And so with that, that was the moment where I said, you know what, what I'm doing now it's cool, but I do not want my potential to be limited by staying here. And I think a lot of times, you know, and in some cases, we all have experienced that to some degree where we stay somewhere because it's comfortable. We know the routine. We know the culture, the dynamic. You know what you can do. You know what time. You know all of those things. And it really contributes to staying where you at and staying comfortable. I'm not here to throw shade, but I I realized I stayed at Enterprise that was initially only supposed to be a two max three year plan for seven years. I got comfortable. The market wasn't really having available positions and such. Um, I was really still on my own personal uh, quest, you know, to find what was gratifying to me, what fulfilled me, what I need to be fulfilled from a, from a personal to professional standpoint. I had to figure out all of that. You know, and with that, that's where it's like, okay, I hit that other detour. Like, okay, what am I going to do that really encompasses the analytical side, the creative side, be able to interact with people and more to be able to make me have a fruitful career. And when I was working at the insurance side within enterprise, it was called Elco. That was the insurance side. So when I was working at Enterprise on the insurance side of the business, a mentor that I found through Project Management Institute, Atlanta chapter, I found her, well, excuse me, I signed a mentorship program, didn't know what to expect, but I signed up anyway. I said, you know what? It don't hurt. It got to be something better than what I'm doing now. So I signed up for that mentorship because I heard about project management, but didn't know what it really was and that it was a whole industry and stuff. I ain't know nothing. I'm like, but if it's a way for me to get this money, we going to explore it. Okay. So I signed up for the mentorship program. And the first thing that the lady told me, um, this was my very first mentor ever. Now I had him in, in college, but like in my career, the first official mentor that I had, and she looked at my resume 
She looked at my skills. She said, Megan, you need to be in project management. This is your career that you should be in and that you have to be in. And because you're already doing a lot of project management tasks and you're already acquiring those responsibilities because you're trying to seek for something better and greater than what you're already doing in your role. This is it. Because with project management, it's going to give you the flexibility. Um, you also the adaptability to go into multiple industries, utilizing you know the same or similar framework frameworks across um, your career to be able to you know niche down and work in select areas of the business in project management. So whether that's stakeholder engagement, whether that's communications, whether that's quality risk management. There are so many different aspects of project management that you can tap into and that you're doing. And at that time, I was planning a wedding. I planned my entire wedding with a uh, with a, note, a red notebook and a Trello board. Because when I was at the insurance company, I was trying to figure out and see what were some of the common systems being utilized across other fields, other industries, other jobs. I'm like, I don't have access to it, but damn it, I'm gonna get the free version and learn how to build out a project board in here. That is how I started to really gain my experience and starting to learn systems on my own. My own wedding that I planned, I put into Trello and I had a corresponding binder that I took everywhere with me. And I had templates for pricing for this, for that, had it all. Project manager, didn't even know it, okay? And, you know, so anyway, so I say all that to say, because I ended up taking another detour where I was at the insurance company. I went to a project management meeting, didn't know what it was and ultimately ended up getting to the right destination. So from there, I busted my tail to get my information, to showcase my, my wedding planning experience, how it's relative to project management and the planning stage and the execution stage and the monitoring control and closeness. I went through all five of the process groups um, with planning my wedding to then volunteering within PMI Atlanta chapter and different things from like, I think my first role was a social media manager. So how we, okay, what's the, what's the forum? So I was social media manager for Agile Forum. Shout out to the PMI Atlanta chapter, Agile group. Respectfully, all of them, but respectfully agile because that's that was home. Um, so I started off as like a social media manager where I was looking at, you know, what's our focus? What is agile um, being utilized in project management? So I volunteered in that um, for, for that forum to learn agile terminology and the methodologies and when it's applicable and how it's different from waterfall and Kanban and, you know, so open up my whole eyes, you know, but even with that, you know, I really was intentional about it. I submitted my application, got approved. If you ever have submitted that application for PMI, you know, that is like the first sigh of relief. Like, yes, I have reached, I have gone through the finals. And now I'm like one of the final contenders to actually get selected to sit and qualify and take the exam. Like y'all know how it goes if you actually have gone through any type of certification, but respectfully for a project management certification, that application is a sigh of relief, okay? Um, but that's just the first point. So anyways, I go, I still limit on that limited, I'm still living off that limited cash flow, that limited income because I hit a plateau of where I can go, but my expenses are increasing. I just got bought a new car. I think I just bought a new car. Yeah, I just bought a new car around that time. My rent is going up um, because of the city I was living in 
um, outside Atlanta to gas was going up, like everything was going up. So I need, I need some more money, 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 money. Um, but that seems like that's the name of the game, right? We're always wanting to get more money to provide for our livelihood and our lifestyle. So anyway, so went, submitted my application to PMI approved as I'm living, living off that limited cash flow. I went to Groupon and paid $99 to get the first project management course that I enrolled in to sit and take the exam. Because let me give you free game for those who are looking to, um, want to pursue project management. If you want to pursue project management, submit your application, get all those things done first before you actually start studying and sitting with the materials to prepare for the exam. Reason I say that is because number one, it gives you time and gives you insight to see if you have enough experience to move forward instead of you investing your money into getting a course or a training where you don't know if your application is going to get approved. Second thing, second reason why I recommend that is because is because if you actually because you actually have one year to sit and take for the exam. Um, so if you submitted on July 1st, you know, for the respective year, you have until June 30th, the following year to sit and take the exam free game. And then third reason I say this, because if you are looking to investing, obtaining, excuse me, acquiring the test materials like Rita McCulhey's book, any other respective course books, materials, or what have you, you need, you have to have supplemental resources in the material. And then you still have to purchase, um, either become a member with PMI to get a discounted exam rate, or you are not a member, but you pay a more higher price to sit and pay for the exam. So the exam cost may start at $495, $595, depending upon which track you're on. And another reason, fourth reason, is because once you pay for that exam, that is it. You it is no refunds. It's like all sales are final. That's it. So when you submit that um that actual exam fee, you want to move forward with it, right? And with that, more than likely you're having to acquire um either purchase the PMBOK, the project management book of knowledge, which is the over the governing body of work and the frameworks per PMI. But with that, you still need supplemental materials like the Rita McCohey book, courses. You may elect to enroll into um, a training program. So I have some really bomb trainers that I know, like um, like Mosaic Resource Group. Uh, that's their own name, MindSpark. So you have MindSpark, that's really good. You have Tamara um, Malcolmore, that's really good. You have some really great um, trainers that are in the Women of Project Management organization. So I know trainers. So if y'all need trainers, I'll put their information down below for you all to check them out as well. But those are just a couple things of why I recommend submitting your application for the PMP or the CAPM first before you enroll into your trainings. Okay. So that's just a little shameless plug. So anyways, submitted application, took it, bought the Groupon and paid $99, sat for the exam, failed it. Now the course material was was really good when I went back and, and re-reviewed it. Really good for it to be a $99 course. Okay. However, I did not have a I didn't have proper guidance on how to really develop an effective study plan for this certification. So when I went back to the drawing board, I then realized my my gaps and the areas that I did not perform as well as I should have. I went back and rehoned and redid everything, everything. And from there, simultaneously, I also started GLC. So GLC was started as a way of me to gain experience within project management and to help 
consult and coach professionals who are looking to transition into project management and start sitting for their exams and what were some more effective strategies and based upon my lessons learned and how I failed the first time you know how they can do better and what things to look for so that's how GLC originally started was to help with that you know and helping me to gain experience too to become a better leader a better manager a better communicator all of that so I figured Life is a lesson and a teacher in itself, but also how you decide to take those detours and possibly lack of experience and create your own to help you with gaining the experience instead of relying on a job to tell you that your experience aligns with what they're looking for. Even if you qualify or not, a lot of times we, we've all gotten rejection letters, okay? We all have. And I'm saying that to say, like, be in control of your own destiny, you know, and look at alternative ways for you to gain the experience, whether it's through volunteering, whether it's creating and you freelancing to gain the experience, however you decide to do it, make it make sense for you and you be in control of your destiny to get to your destination. Okay. Ultimately. So anyways, so I started GLC, right? At that time, I also sat for the exam. Took it, took it the second time, passed, blind colors, because my strategy, my improved study schedule was on point, baby. It was on point. And, you know, that's what I was really teaching people, especially those who have failed the, the PMP and the CAPM exams previously. Like, this is what, this is what happened to me round one. This is what I did differently for round two. And here is how I want to help you on the first run or on your next run for taking the exam. Okay. And so with that, you know, as I was, as I just became a new certified PMP, I was, when I tell you, I was applying for jobs, like left and right. Like I was applying for jobs every time, every day, every day, like technology on phones was not as intuitive as it is now. But baby, when I tell you that I was, look, I was emailing myself the jobs to print them off, (laughs) to print them off at the respective locations. I ain't going to say where, but print them off at the respective locations to figure out how you know, to see where my experience that I'm building up on my own, the volunteering I'm doing on my own and what I've done within the corporate sector, how all of those things can be merged together and be a good, strong resume without fillers and without elaborating too, you know, without elaborating too much that was outside of my scope, because that's a whole nother thing. But, um, and printing out the applications, filling them out, submitting them online, you know, to have all those things in place. And so I end up getting certified for my PMP, officially certified for my PMP. I was already doing project management experience, but I got certified like Q, end of Q1 2017 or something. I got a job within 60 days later at a local Atlanta-based hair and beauty company as a project manager. I say, you know what? See, God knows how to align things for me and how I still have to put in the work and the effort to get the ultimate outcome. So guys, this was my next detour that I took going from working in the insurance side uh, within enterprise to now a whole new industry, a whole new company, whole new role and a whole new certification. And so that was the next detour that I took to help me get to my destination. So guys, when I started at this health and beauty company in, I think it was like May at the latest, early June, 2017, I got there 
Now, mind you, at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned how at the beginning, I only knew things from a consumer perspective. So I had no insight as to development life cycles. I didn't know anything in reference to testing. I didn't know that packaging was like its whole industry in itself. I didn't, I was oblivious to all of that. So when I came in to work for this Atlanta-based health and beauty company, this was with literally fresh eyes on everything, okay? So as I started to work there, and I would never forget the first meeting that I sat into, I said, what in the world? did I sign myself up for? Because it was a lot of madness going on. And if you are new transitioning into those type of environments, it can be overwhelming. But I didn't allow that overwhelm. I did not allow my overwhelmness to consume me and to stop me. I knew I was here for a reason. And all of the things that I was working and have been working towards, it was just the beginning to really help cultivate me as a better professional, better manager, better everything. Okay. And unapologetic about it. So first day I went, I had my long box braids because it was summertime. Black if if y'all want to know one thing, in the summertime, black women keep some protective styles. Okay. My hair is locked. So now at the time of this episode, so my hair is always in a protective style. However, we always when it's when it starts getting hot outside, we are in those protective styles. And those braids is one of those protective styles. And I went to work my first day with braids unapologetic about it okay I think for my interview I went in with the afro because I want you to see this is how my hair grows out of my head this is how I'm going to show up to work and I'm okay with it because it's still professional it's still neat I may have a big fro but it is still tamed it still has some nice curl and some nice definition all of that so guys for those of you who may have limited yourself you know through your hair and not really display that when you go into work, especially for the, for my black women, be unapologetic about it. Go in there with the fro, go in there with the box braids. It could still be professional, but still display yourself because that is an extension of you. It is our crown that's on our head, you know? So walk boldly with it, girl, walk boldly and show them and show them that you are just as capable with these hairstyles. I'm saying this in quotes, that have been deemed unprofessional, it can be just as beautiful, just as professional. And I'm still going to sprinkle this magic up on you because of who I am. And my experience is what is going to validate who I am and that I am here. Okay. So walk in all of that and know that you own it and don't limit yourself because of it. Okay. I show up with locks, hoops, red hair, all I've, when I say I have done it all, done it all like Shadi Lowe. I have done it all. So I am unapologetic about it. And I encourage you all to do the same too. Okay. But anyways, so back to the story. So I started the job, day one meeting. I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know what to expect. And, but I was like, I knew I'm supposed to be here. At this time, the company had three brands underneath the main company. And I was a project manager for overseeing, I think two of them at that time, then eventually ended up getting three. Then the company ended up acquired a fourth brand and I was overseeing those launches too. So then looking at replenishment strategies. So when we are updating packaging artwork, so ingredient lists may change for whatever reason, I had to oversee that. We are now expanding to new markets. I had to oversee that for the packaging to who are the suppliers that we're gonna work with that's within the lead time or the time frame that we want to launch this product in the marketplace. 
I had to lead all of that. So with me now and thinking back on getting the PMP certification to getting that job in health, beauty, and wellness, and really starting to be exposed to all the different departments that are critical for getting a product to the consumer and all the different requirements for each stage gate or each phase of product development and packaging development and manufacturing, you know, that blew my mind. Um, that's a rap song too. Somebody said that maybe that's Eve, E-V-E. But anyways, um, I like to add musical references into my conversation. So you'll see that over time. But um, but yeah, like when I think back on my experience, like I was destined to be there. I took all of those detours to reach that destination and ultimately helped me to get to a better destination because all the experience that I gained from working in corporate with health, beauty, and wellness and working on packaging development and overseeing product launches from concept to launch to then updating um, the packaging and the artwork, which is the critical piece of information, you know, that consumers look at from ingredients to how to utilize it to uh, what's the marketing description or the key benefits um, free of icons, like if it's cruelty-free, vegan-free, you know, understanding all of that, like was just outstanding was just outstanding because it helped me to repurpose and repivot GLC during COVID actually, you know, where, because GLC was put on hold. So I, I forgot to tell y'all that when I got into corporate and I was starting to take on more responsibilities as a PM to then a senior PM to um, MPD operations manager and taking on more responsibilities and starting to build out a team and working very closely with the other teams and stuff, like I put GLC on hold because I, I loved what I did. When I say I loved what I did in corporate, I loved it. So like when you meet those people that say that they loved what they do and they love their job, that was, that was me. I loved my job. Now, some of the people, different story, but I loved my job and I was good at it. I learned to be good at it. I learned to be better at it. I learned, you know, how to take constructive criticism. I learned, when I say game changer, it was a game changer for me. And from there, you know, when I end up hitting, as an MPD operations manager, I was supposed to have a, I was supposed to have a direct report working with me. And unfortunately she was yanked from me at that time and yanked from me when I was on vacation at that, my anniversary, my wedding anniversary, we was in Jamaica. She was yanked from me. And here I am, I'm supposed to have somebody to help be a report to me to help with sharing the workload to then be able to take on more responsibilities. No, that ain't, that, that ain't it. That's not it. And that's not going to work for me either because I busted my tail here. Because remember, I love what I did, but with more responsibility, more money, more problems, right? And if you are a party of one doing that role, when really that role should be divided between two plus people, my role really could have been divided across three people, really. But one, having somebody to share the workload with and help with some of the, you know, other things, that in itself is 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 time saver for me to work on other things. So with that, you know, it was a lot of things that end up leading me to making a critical decision in my career to either stay where I'm at and keep going up the ranks, but still dealing with corporate politics. And my experience and my record 
showcases for itself. So I don't have to really speak my, how I move and sometimes not responding to those that act like that showcases how you as a professional is better. Now don't get this twisted. She got some, see, she got some words because I caught her up in her, in her nonsense multiple times okay i'm not here to blame no i ain't here but you know what that goes i'm saying that and sharing it because some of y'all have been through that too and i'll say for me i personally i will know that you will do it but how i move is like one of the 48 laws of power i will not you will not know i'm coming and i will crush my enemy when the time is right and so with that that was that's my philosophy I don't have to brag and be real bold and loud to make my point known, okay? So saying all that because that's part of that toxic environment. Toxic environment, corporate politics, my direct report yanked from me. Doing more work, my workload's not decreasing, it's constantly increasing. And some other things, I said, you know what, God, baby girl's here, I need, I need some guidance here. And I'll never forget that I got to exercise. It was put on my spirit to do an exercise, to create the life that I wanted. So creating like a life mind map, a life map. From doing that exercise, I will never forget how I wrote down, I want to be a consultant working in the same industry and be able to make, I put an X dollar amount on there. And from that, it was, it was done. So it was one day I got so fed up from a meeting with the executive present my manager did not speak up for me. I'm like, you are my manager. So I see how this goes, but I speak up for everybody here. I've even spoken up for you as my manager, but that's fine. That's cool. I can show you better than I can tell you. It was, that was that was the philosophy. I can show you better than I can tell you. And from that moment, I said, my two weeks are going up. And I don't even think I gave it two weeks. It was probably mm, maybe six days. But my counter was because they didn't, it was like right around holiday time or something like December, December, January. It was something like a weird period sitting around holidays or something or New Year's or something. And I said, you know what? Here's my my notice. But if you would like for me to continue working with you all, because that direct report that was yanked from me, she gonna have to come back eventually and get up to speed really quickly and such. I will stay as a freelance, as a contractor. That's what I said. I will stay as a, as a contractor you know, for X period of time. And here is my schedule. It was a real lean schedule. It was really lean, but we actually moved forward. And so they were like my first client, to be honest, because I was serving as a contractor at that point instead of a full-time employee and got, you know, try to get the person up to speed as quickly as possible. I'm still doing all the same work that I was doing previously, trying to offload, trying to, you know, delegate and all those things, whatever. And it just got to a point where it's like, you know what, this, this is no longer fitting. And I was done. So like end of January was like my last official day in corporate. And I said, I'm just going to go consulting. So I've built up a lot of relationships through PMI. I built up a lot of relationships on my own, you know, um, through GLC and respective um, other professionals that I've and companies that I've met over time. I can do this. And my husband's like, yeah, go for it. He said, if you put it out there on paper and God has literally led your steps to get here, don't question it. We don't operate in fear. Just go go do it. So just like Nike, just do it. So I did. So I went and became a consultant. I signed up with RGP and my first engagement, first engagement was at Kaiser. And from Kaiser, I was actually doing a lot of system implementation respectfully for smart sheets, um, within here, within, you know, for Metro Atlanta. So that was like my first engagement. And from there, that's 
And then, of course, the world shut down. COVID, March. So my engagement with Kaiser started, like, I think March 17th, March 19th, 2020. The world shut down, like, literally one week before. Because I had a photo shoot. Mm, shout out to my girl, Mecca Gamble. Um, that's my play cousin. But um, I had a photo shoot with... So I would never forget this because everything happened within a week. So I went home to go see my mom. I went back home to Arkansas, see my mom, saw my sisters, came back the next day and literally had a photo shoot the morning of. Uh, so I think I got back like at midnight on a Saturday or something and had a photo shoot like early next morning on that Sunday. Got confirmation of getting getting hired by Kaiser. That's just say three days later. And then that Friday, the world shut down. Everything's closed. All doors closed. Everybody working home. That's how it went. And then I started Kaiser the following week. So everything was right around the same time frame. And it's, a lot of us remember when the world shut down because of COVID, right? So now when you're operating and you're building a new business, you are a new consultant and the world is shut down. You don't have that face-to-face -face interaction like we were used to. That was our normal. We now had to transition and figure out the ways of operating and the ways of working through a digital and a virtual standpoint. Hence where a lot of us start taking a lot of detours during that time to get us to our destination. And so I'm saying that because COVID was a blessing for me and my household. Because even though I was working with Kaiser, it allowed me to repivot GLC to be a boutique operations management company that partners with product-based businesses in the health, beauty, and wellness space to help you launch your products to market with ease, utilizing our proprietary framework approach. So it was amazing for us in our household um, to then my husband creating Palette Pros, you know, which is a local distribution company providing pallets and shipping materials to local warehouses all during COVID. So guys, I'm saying all this because I share with you all multiple detours of how I got here. I'm gonna be honest, I did not go to school for packaging. Yeah, my undergrad is in chemistry. I know select things, you know, I knew select things back then like polymer chemistry and stuff and like chain reactions. But I was not, we were not taught packaging, packagerial science, that's a thing. We weren't, I was not taught at, in college that cosmetic chemistry was a thing or food and beverage, food science was a thing. But because now, and so looking back on it, then 15 years ago, oh we, um, 15 years ago now from when I graduated, just about when I graduated college to now, we need more schools to, to really start adopting how to utilize your degrees in other industries like packaging, cosmetic chemistry, food science, because those aren't really talked about. So if you're not at Clemson, if you're not at Michigan State, if you're not at Stout, you're, if you're not at these packagerial science schools, you don't know about this whole industry, this whole industry that's billions of dollars for packaging alone. Cosmetics, I think global cosmetics right now is projected at $32 billion in the next couple of years. It's a whole lot of money and a whole lot of things and a lot of careers that are not talked about in this realm. And if you're not in marketing or branding, like those are the most commonly known roles in these industries. But Everybody's not into marketing. Everybody's not into the branding aspect. You have finance, CFOs, they they everywhere, right? But I'm saying that because this industry is not really talked about. And a lot of us, specifically Black people, we do not even, we didn't even know this was a thing, a whole industry. I didn't know it was a thing until I got into it. 
But I'm saying that because I want to help provide more exposure into this industry for our upcoming generation because we are in a shift right now where we have professionals that are retiring out, uh, professionals that are mid-career, senior careers that are moving up, taking on more responsibilities. And the entry-level jobs are now going to become more open and available. But if we don't have, if we're not showcasing the recognition and that this is a whole industry and how to diversify this industry and how you can come in and be a print technician working for a packaging company, making real good money. Some jobs I've seen starts off at 60, 65, depending upon where you're geographically located. And that doesn't require college education. You can become an engineer and become a packaging engineer to specialize in a respective industry. Automotive, for example, make good money. So I'm saying that to share, number one, packaging is a whole industry, okay? It is a whole industry. And now hopefully with you giving, you know, gaining some insight into my journey and also thinking about your own personal experience with purchasing products, how packaging is critical to everything from looking at your favorite chips, like my kettle brand chips. And I have to look at the nutritional facts um, to see how many chips I can eat per the reckon, you know, per the calories. I may follow it or not, but that's neither here or there. You know, that's that's packaging. That's the information on the packaging to understanding how to utilize a product that has to be printed on the packaging to understanding what is the actual intent or the product usage of this. Is it a shampoo, a conditioner, a leave-in, a, a, a treatment? Is this a, um, you know, is this a styling gel? Like what type of product is it based upon me going to the store to buy Apogee versus a firm, you know? So I'm having to look at these type of products and really understand that everything is packaging related. Packaging is what protects it. It houses the product. It helps with the transportation of products to and from different locations. Um, and it's also aesthetically pleasing to then help captivate my attention as a consumer, you know, um, for me to read the information on the product, to put into my, to purchase it, to then want to, you know, and the product is what keeps the consumer in your retention pipeline. So that's my philosophy. Packaging's first impression and the product is what keeps them coming back for more. So anyways, and then the next thing I would say is, you know, based upon my experience is I took a lot of detours and I was okay with it. Sometimes going through it, I didn't understand why, but looking back on it now, it was to help make me a better person. So I may have taken the detour, which was the long scenic route, but ultimately I still reached the destination. So for you all that may see a detour as you're driving, going through your own personal detour, be okay with taking the scenic route, which may take a little bit longer for you to get there to ultimately reach your destination because doing so may help you, may help prevent you hitting that roadblock, that pit. Oh, Atlanta, we have a lot of, oh gosh. We we busted some tires here because of these potholes, okay? But I want you all to think about that and I want to help prevent y'all going through the, hitting those roadblocks, hitting those potholes and more and be okay with taking the longer way because sometimes along the journey, there is something more for you to gain and more for you to see that's ultimately gonna help make getting to your final destination more gratifying.
So guys, I know this was a, a long one um, for today, but this was very personal to me. And I wanted to be very transparent about my experience, about how I got here. Uh, I did not study to come into this thing. I got here purely by accident, but ultimately I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I encourage you all to, regardless of what you're going through, be okay taking the long way and ultimately know getting to your final destination is going to be that much better once you get there. So guys, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Make sure you do go down to the show notes to get the recaps as well as some extra bonuses like some of my freebies. So for those of you who are wanting to learn more about what my what the day in the life for me at my company and also working in this space looks like, you will have access to that information down in the show notes below. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you do follow and subscribe to our platforms. Uh, we are all pretty much on all platforms that are available and you'll have all the information, the links down in the show notes for y'all as well. So guys, I will see you all on the next product and packaging powerhouse show. I'm your girl, Megan, helping you to expose and showcase in the good and the ugly side of product development, packaging, and project management to help you advance, ascend, and accelerate your products into your marketplace. So I'll see you on the next one. I am your host, Megan Young Gamble. I'm so excited that you're going to be joining us for these episodes and as well as following us as part of the journey. So make sure you do connect with us on our social media platforms that is listed down in the show notes. Also, make sure you do subscribe to our email list so you get notification of when we drop our new episodes. And also you get some bonuses too. And then also make sure you do follow our page so that way you can listen to all of our episodes as they are dropping at the convenience of your laptop, mobile device, or anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast on all of our streaming platforms.